Don't you know that you so wrong, man? You're wrong and here's why. Chris and Greg don't see eye to eye. Like none of the time. Robert Covington sticks. I don't care what you think. How is LeBron James the king when he's ruining teams? Yo, wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. Yo, wrong and here's why. Underdog Sports presents. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why. I'm Chris Horwoodell, joined, as always, by the one, the only, the indomitable Greg Crone. <laughs> Gregory, how's it going? Ah, you know, buddy, it's Thanksgiving. There's there's a ton of stuff going on. It's it's just one of those fun weeks, right? Chaos. Pure, pure, unbridled chaos. Is that, is, that is absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. So the goal for this week would be a quicker show. Uh, I wanted to avoid the digressions so that uh, not only can we get through it, but also the listeners. And we appreciate you guys taking the time to listen on this uh, this holiday week. Whether you are celebrating with your family or celebrating not being with your family, we hope you have the happy. <laughs> um, I think. Well, we do have a lot. We do have a decent amount to talk about. We 12 in the National Football League. I have BovadaSportsBook.com open in front of me. We're going to take a look at all of those lines. But I wanted to talk about some Indianapolis Colts stuff before we got going, Greg. Because, I mean, finally. Finally, Jim Irsay had the courage to say what we're all thinking. He had the courage to stand up for rich white <laughs> billionaires. <laughs> I don't even know what he said. What did he say? This is one of the craziest, most out of look. Occasionally, I say things that I realize are are not are not the going to resonate with the, the typical person, right? And I'm aware of it. And it's like I'm I'm lucky I, I live the life I live, but I'm I'm not Jim Irsay Gregory by any stretch of the the goddamn imagination. And thank God for that in a lot of different ways. Colts, uh, Colts, <laughs> I, I just can't get through this. Colts owner Jim Irsay said his 2014 arrest for operating a vehicle while intoxicated was a police uh, was a result of police prejudice against him for being a quote rich white billionaire. Irsay discussed the circumstances as part of a wide ranging interview with HBO Sports. Uh, among the among the funner comments here, I'm prejudiced against because I'm a rich white billionaire. Irsay said during the interview, which aired Tuesday night. If I'm just the average guy down the block, they're not pulling me in. Ursay was, was again asked how he thought his assertion would be received. Fair question. I don't care what it sounds like, Ursay said. It's the truth. I could give a damn what people think about how anything sounds or sounds like. The truth is the truth, and I know the truth. Uh, finally, someone's <laughs> up for rich white billionaires. I mean, that's, that's an, a hilarious thing to say out loud. Like... What? What? I don't understand why these guys give these kind of interviews. This feels like a, a, just a, you're set up to fail in most situations because, like, that makes little to no sense to say out loud. Yeah. So, well, like, definitely no sense to, to say out loud. Like, what? Are, what are you doing, buddy? When and it's asked, also definitely not the case. Yeah. When asked why he pled guilty, Ursay said, "Quote just to get it over with." Oh, that's yeah. That that makes sense. That's what you typically do. Oh my god, just so ridiculous. So, like, you wonder why this Colts team might not be as structurally sound in terms of top to bottom as uh, as we make it out to be. 
And it's like, yeah, Jim Irsay was in that episode of Parks and Rec, and that was fun, but he might not be the best guy in the world. No, it turns out probably the worst, you know? Well, I'm not going to say he's the worst guy in the world. That That is probably it. That's a bit of uh, hyperbole for this holiday, but he's not a good man. Yeah, yeah, no, for for sure. He's definitely... Uh... He's definitely up there, though. With there's like a, such a level of delusion in that statement, it's crazy. It, the type of delusion required, I suppose, to become a billionaire. Because look, nobody becomes a billionaire on their own. It's all on the shoulders of other people. Oh yeah, exactly. It's definitely something that other people help you earn, and then you act like you did everything yourself. That's how that works. And then you talk about how you're being treated poorly by the police because of your unfortunate position. <laughs> My status got me got me this poor poor uh, treatment. How how ridiculous! <sighs> Just like I said, finally somebody speaking up for rich white billionaires. I'm I, I mean yeah absolutely. Thank God they have that voice. Yeah, disenfranchised for so long, Greg. One of the more oppressed groups of people that nobody really talks about. <laughs> That's correct. 100%. The Colts also made another surprising move this week. Just yesterday, they released, well, they waived linebacker Shaq Leonard. Leonard, I mean, really burst onto the scene in 2018. I think he had 162 tackles in his rookie year. And the Colts really did as well as a team could humanly do in that 20, I guess, 17 draft where they took Quentin Nelson in the first round, Shaq Leonard the second round, and both guys were all pros as rookies, literally as good as you can do in the draft. And um, never really lived up to, he was good after that rookie season, but he was, I guess he was a three-time All-Pro, including uh, last time in 2021, but we know a lot of that is reputation. Never had that giant season again. I think his next high season was 120 tackles or something like that. It's been hurt over the last couple, splitting time with, um, with the rookie linebacker whose name is escaping me this year. Was very unhappy with seeing decreased snaps. And they made the move to let him go. He, if if somehow a team did claim him off waivers, I think they'd be on the hook for something like sixty three million dollars through twenty twenty six. So that is definitely not going to happen. He'll be free to sign with anybody, and it's just a matter of like what what does Shaq Leonard have left? Well, I mean, injuries really derailed kind of everything for him, which stinks because he was, like you said, that that rookie year was unbelievable. Yeah. And then just progressively broke down from there. The guy was a tackling machine and then just kind of wasn't able to, to withstand some of that same punishment um, over the course of several years. I mean, I, somebody takes a shot at him. They always do. Like for people, sure. people will for sure, you know, give him an opportunity. It just depends on can he can he be durable enough to play and be happy enough with a role. Like that's obviously going to be different. It's not going to be that starting position. It's not going to be the guy that's on the field for 98% of the defensive snaps. It's going to be, you know, a much more, a much more like decisive role that that's very well fine tuned. And that like how often you'll be on the field, those kind of things. Can he adapt to it? Who knows? As good as you can be 15 games as a rookie, 163 tackles, seven sacks, four forced fumbles, two recovered, two interceptions, uh, he was also an All-Pro in 2020 and 2021. As as recently as 2021, by the way, that's the only year he played all 16 games. 122 tackles, eight forced fumbles, good grief, and four interceptions. That's a heck of a season. 
three games last year because of injuries, has played nine this year, 65 tackles on pace for like 120 or so, and uh, just not doing anything else. No sacks, no forced fumbles, no recovered, no interceptions. But a lot of that does have to do with the fact that he's not playing on third downs anymore and he's splitting time on second down. Look, <laughs> I don't I don't want to be greedy here, but as a fan of a team that has Nicholas Morrow in a starting position, I would love for Shaq Leonard to be in a starting position. Yeah, I would take that. How about how about Miles Jack retires and now he's back on a practice squad? Oh, I couldn't care less. Miles Jack is he's cooked. And he doesn't I don't think he likes football, and I don't really want those guys on the team. I don't disagree with you. It's just very funny to see the guy. Literally, he was lined up to potentially be a starter. Then he retires, and then now he's back with another franchise. It's crazy. Yeah, Uh, well, the Eagles made a couple of interesting moves this week where they they did release Miles Jack from the practice squad, uh, from the practice squad, so that, or I guess the retired list, so that he could go play with the Steelers. And uh, they also let, (laughs) look, Greg, sometimes teams are accused of giving up on players too early. It's tough to say that this is the case this time. The Eagles waived a player that they drafted in the first round in 1994. I mean, listen, it's there. there's clerical oversights, uh-huh. and then there's this story. You think like, this is like an office space type situation? I mean, it really might have been. Like, I don't, I, I don't know if he was collecting any checks necessarily based off of the list that he was on. No, but, but I imagine he was... He was it was probably, I don't know the reasoning. I, I haven't found it in any of the stories. I always thought that this was one of those things where the team's just kind of looking out for the guy by keeping him on their insurance. It could be. Yeah, it very well could be. And by the way, for our people who don't know what we're talking about, in 1994, the Eagles drafted an offensive lineman by the name of Bernard Williams. He was very good as a rookie. All He was an all-rookie team left tackle. Career looked promising. Uh, had a couple of suspensions for weed and just never filed for reinstatement. And uh, early last week, the Eagles released him. I mean, so, yeah. <laughs> I, the best the best comment, I forget who it was. It was Ruben Frank or who. But the, the person who wrote the story said that the, the now 51-year-old Williams is uh, available on waivers to any team. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> maybe somebody gives him a tryout. I don't know. Jason Peters still playing. It's true. I, I saw multiple people ask the question of, does he get a ring? Did he get a ring in 2018? That, won the I, I Super wondered Bowl? that too. Yeah, I wondered that too. I I can't imagine that he did. <laughs> Him j- just the the whole story, and I know when you sent it to me, I, and I eventually had a chance to go about and read it. It's like, what 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 are these guys doing that that you could miss something like this for this long? I can't imagine like, it was missed. But so, and I guess if it's not affecting you in any other way, like who cares if he's on the roster still? But like. What is it? The NFL? Is it the Eagles? Like who? Who drops the ball in this situation? I'm looking. Um, by the way, Williams said that he quote had no idea he was still on the roster. So <laughs> I guess that that puts a a hole in the the insurance theory. Yeah. No. It, I mean, it almost has to be that. I don't know it, what other way. I don't know what other other explanation you could have. They cut him nearly 29 years after he played his last game for the team. That's so crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. I have, I'd love to know what the reasoning for this is. If, if somebody is clear on this, reach out, because I would love to understand the, the minutia of this decision. But who knows? Greg, week 12 in the National Football League. Let's, uh, let's dig into it here. A 
trio of games on Thanksgiving. None particularly interesting, but it's going to be fun to watch the Lions play. A team that is suddenly on the heels of uh, our beloved Eagles, although they're playing our Green Bay Packers in this game. For (laughs) (laughs) cough laugh there. You you almost got got me. I I almost went down. Playing our Packers, uh, it's going to be it's fun to watch this team. This Lions team's a great story. Uh, I would love for them to maybe lose a game here and there just to get off the heels of the Eagles. But Packers in Detroit to take on the Lions. Pavada has the Lions minus seven and a half. I just don't think the Packers offensively can can hang with them. Like I, I you you just see week in and week out that the Packers struggle to score points, and I don't think they can stop them in, uh, long enough defensively to keep this game that close. And maybe it's just recency bias with the Lions and how how I mean obviously last week their offense struggled a little bit but the week before they were putting up 30 38 plus points like we just saw points last week we yeah sorry 31 points but we just saw the these two teams play the same team in back-to-back weeks in the Chargers and one was able to really put up points on that team and then the Packers had to grind out a win with a last minute drive so like I know it's not the best litmus test, but we just saw a common opponent in back-to-back weeks. It it tells me that the Lions offensively are just more capable. Well, for sure. Yeah. But Jordan Jordan Love, for his to his credit, had one of his better games of the season, three twenty-two and a couple of touchdowns, including that that last-minute touchdown to give the team the win over the Chargers. Oh, just weirdly frustrating Chargers team. But you know they're they're playing okay football. The offense is is okay. It's doing all right. There seems like. Aaron Jones is going to be more involved this week. Um, I don't know, man. The I, are, It's just weird. Like, I'm not fully bought in on the Lions yet, and I know I should be because they just keep playing great football. Well, I think part of that is, like, you just you just associate historically the Lions with being not a good football team. Yeah. And I, and I do the same thing, so it's hard to trust them to be like, all right, this is a game they can 100% handle, and they're going to just go out and take care of business. Because that's the level of talent it seems like they have this year. But mm-hmm. historically, they underperform forever and ever and ever and ever. And you're like, well, what do I believe here? When, when, is, it, when is it appropriate for me to buy in uh, to this team? So, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like the Lions here, though. I just think, I think they're a better team than the Packers. I agree, but man, go Packers. We can, uh, we can use uh, a listen, little talk, yeah. I'll take I'll take an extra game, believe me. The Washington Commanders are in Dallas to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Another double digit line for the Cowboys and the biggest line of the week at Bavada. Cowboys minus twelve and a half at home. I think this game's so much different if the Commanders don't lose to the Giants last week. Because the Commanders were at least somewhat and and whether it was fool's gold or not, they mm. were at least kind of in well, in the hunt. Uh, for that last that last spot in the NFC, but that loss to the Giants really puts a damper on things and makes it a lot harder uh, of a path based off their remaining schedule. So I think I think it's tough. I, I don't. I'm not going to say that the Commanders are going to just give up and roll over because that never happens in the NFL. Uh, look at the Giants. <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's just kind of the Cowboys beat up on on bad teams, and I know it's a division game, yada yada yada, but. The Cowboys have been double-digit favorites the last two weeks and kind of covered with ease, and I don't really expect that to to change with this one. Yeah, the Commander is currently sitting in twelfth place in the playoff race in the NFC. So. Yeah, the, the 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 loss to the Giants is just such a killer. It's such a killer. 
not ideal. The San Francisco 49ers are in Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Bovada has the Seahawks in the final Thanksgiving game, a 20 p.m. kickoff for this one. Seahawks plus seven at home. I just wonder what the status of Geno Smith is. Like, I know he came back in late in that game the other night or the other day uh, on Sunday, but it, like, Greg, it's, this is not nighttime. No yawning. <laughs> it's it's a quick. It's such a quick turnaround for for them. Geno um, set out Monday's listed as limited currently. Yeah, like that's that's tough. If you if you're getting Drew Lock versus the 49ers defense, even without. Uh, their safety, who unfortunately they lost for the 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 rest of the year, yeah. Like it's, I find it hard to believe that Seattle's going to be able to to keep it super duper close uh, from an offensive perspective. It's it's just it's just it's a tough task. Brock Purdy turns out maybe doesn't stink. I don't know. I can't I can't get a full read on Brock Purdy because when Debo Samuel plays, Brock Purdy is like the best quarterback in the league or top five. When he doesn't play, Brock Purdy looks more like Zach Wilson. So, like, well, let's, let's not do that. <laughs> All right. Maybe that was too excessive. Let's say mm, when Debo doesn't play, he looks more like who's more middle of the road. I don't Brock know. Brock Purdy is sixth in the NFL in passing yards, two, uh, 2,662. He is, let's see, seventh in the NFL tied with Sam Howell for touchdown passes. He is fifty. He doesn't isn't turning the ball over. Fifty fourth in the NFL in in terms of interceptions. Like he's he's, he's playing fine. He's, 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 he's playing fine, man. He, he you, leads, the, leads the NFL in completion percentage at seventy point two. If you flopped Sam Howell and Brock Purdy with the two different teams that they had, would they look the same? Is is a question no, that I would ask. I don't think so. And I'm a Sam Howell fan, but I I don't think that's the case. Look. I, I was a uh, I was all I was prepared to go into this and say uh, Brock Purdy is a, as the kids say mid, but I he, he I think he's legitimate. I think he's legitimate. I when do. Those games without Debo Samuel are what really stick in my brain though. When they lost three in a row, and again it's hard to it's again hard to judge, but I I, I just that that's the only thing that that makes me ponder. Uh, the status of Brock Purdy and his uh, level of eliteness. Yeah, I mean, six, like I said, sixth in the NFL in passing yards, and that is having played 10 games. Two of the guys above him, Josh Allen and Sam Howell, have played 11. Uh, I think yeah, I think he's good. Like I think I, I don't think he's the sixth best quarterback in the NFL by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he probably is in that 8-12 range. Yeah, I could see that. I could, I could agree with that. Who, uh... Greg, this is a fun game. Who I gave you two of them, but who are the five players above Brock Purdy right now? Brock Purdy right now, in terms of passing yards for the season, it's got to be. I mean, I, I we said we said Allen and we said uh, Howell. Howell. Uh, I would think two has got to be up there. Two at number three on the list, 2,934 yards. C.J. Stroud. Number two on the list, 2,962 yards. And really should be number one because he's played 10 games to house 11. Yeah. Uh, and? I'd say Mahomes based off reputation, but I don't know if that's the case. Mahomes is number seven, one, right behind Brock Purdy. Okay. Um, I, 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 I'll tell you, I'll give you a hint. Number one pick in the draft. Bryce Young? God, no. No. <laughs> I didn't say this draft. Ah, got it. Um, Baker Mayfield. 
Baker Mayfield is 13th on the list. Jeez. 2,389 who the, yards. Who the hell else went number one that's a starter right now? This, uh, jo- come on. I was going to say he, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's number eight, and he did not go number one. No, he didn't. Who the heck went number one that's a starter? Currently? Who went number one in a draft where maybe the Eagles picked number two? Oh, Jared Goff. Jared Goff, number five, <laughs> 2,743 yards. How quickly we forget. How, how quickly. How quickly. And it's funny because uh, Carson is now the backup on the team that drafted Jared Goff. Which is hilarious. I thought he was going to have to come in uh, over the weekend. I want to watch the man play football. By the way, did you see uh, Did you see the video of Tariq One coming up to Carson Wentz after the game talking about how like he's a legend and stuff like that? No, I did not. Yeah, check out the video. Woolen comes up to him. He's like starstruck. He's literally saying, Woolen is literally saying he's fanboying. And there's a lot of chatter online about whether or not he thought Carson Wentz was Matt Stafford. (laughs) Oh, man. Because he never says Carson Wentz's name in the video. That's... Let's for Carson's sake. Let's just hope that let, let let's just pretend like he was talking about Carson Wentz. He could have been, but I'm just saying there is speculation that he was not. <laughs> probably, probably something I'm not surprised that people would speculate about. If old we're being Frat, honest, the legendary uh, accomplishments of old Frat Stafford over there. <laughs> let's let's go to our uh, what I believe is the first ever NFL Black Friday game. The Miami Dolphins in New York to take on the New York football Jets. Big line here. Bavada has the Jets plus nine and a half. I just don't I just don't understand. Um, I mean, I do understand why the Jets were in so many primetime situations, why this would be another situation. It just stinks that there isn't an ability to flex this game. Because as yeah. a one-off, this game stinks. Dinks. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a three o'clock in the afternoon game. Who's like, this is not must see television. No, not even a tiny bit. And it's, it, it, like, I just wish, I just wish we could have some other matchup here because not only is it the fact that you're not having, I mean, Zach Wilson is bad enough to watch in these well, primetime games. The third string quarterback. Yeah, and now we're getting Tim Boyle and the potential for Trevor Simeon as the direct backup. Like, by the, by the way, Zach Wilson, the only quarterback to beat the Eagles this year. It's crazy. And also like in a vacuum, this is exactly the game I would want on Friday at three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> you're, you're probably not wrong. I think the I think the Dolphins roll them regardless of the Jets' defense and yeah. how good they've been. They did not look great um, this past weekend, and it just doesn't help that their offense can't move the ball. They're, they're, I don't think I think they they haven't scored a touchdown in like fifty plus drives. Um, it's it's. It's unreal how poor offensively they they could possibly be. And I know, you know, there's just no way. I mean, first of all, there shouldn't be a way that Aaron Rodgers could come back anyway if his Achilles is torn or was torn. Like, that makes zero sense to me. But then it also, like, there's just no reason, bro. It's It's not happening. Even though you are getting things that are kind of breaking the right way, right? Like, the Bengals are essentially eliminated from contention. Other teams that had chances to take more of a stranglehold on some of these wild card positions. They've they've struggled and fell a little bit. So like a late season run put like push towards the playoffs with six weeks left in the season. Like you you could potentially make that move if you have enough time, but I just don't know. I just I just don't see any reason to because I don't think this team has enough talent to do it. 
obviously Jake Browning is the quarterback moving forward, but the Bengals are five and five, uh, 11th place in the AFC playoff hunt. The, the Jets with Tim Boyle at quarterback, 14th place at four and six. It's, it's, it's crazy how jammed up uh, the AFC conference is with yeah. all these different teams. Like one game matters so much and means so much going forward that like it, it, it almost becomes like every game is must win for so many of these teams going forward. By the way, I, I saw a stat today that blew my mind. The Cleveland Browns and Kansas City Chiefs have the same exact record right now. And the Browns have scored more points than the Chiefs. Well, the Chiefs offensively are just are just so poor at the skill position. The Browns, well, Well, not they're just poor offensively, not necessarily poor at skill positions. Like at least, at least you have. So okay, if you if you obviously take Nick Chubb out of it, like Amari Cooper is the best receiver out of all of them for sure. And Elijah Moore might be number two. That's my yeah. That's my point. Like I don't Rasheed Rice. I was going into that game for the Eagles against the Chiefs. I, I think I said to a couple of friends I saw over the weekend, I was just like, I was like, I'm not scared of them offensively. Like, sure, yeah. they have Patrick Mahomes. There's Travis Kelsey. But then there's really nothing else. Now, I didn't expect Pacheco to have the rushing game that he did. I know he's good, but I didn't expect him to, to gash us like he did yeah. for, for a lot of the first half. And But, like, they're outside threats. Like, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is exactly who we thought he was. He did the same right. things in Green Bay that he's done for the past few seasons in, in Kansas City. Right. Byard, Kevin Byard, by the way, is has been a Travis Kelsey stopper to some degree over the course of his career, and he had a, another good game for the Eagles, but definitely his best game as an Eagle. And, when, you know, we, we talk about the lack of skill position players for KC, but it is worth pointing out that, that if, you're, if you put, you know, you're playing pick em football here and you, got, you have Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, and Travis Kelsey available, Travis Kelsey's the first pick. Oh, a thousand percent. He's the he's the best skill player of of that of that group. It's just the fact that he he plays tight end and not wide receiver. Even though he basically does play wide receiver. Right. Who are we kidding? There is another there is another co-host on the Underdog Network that spent part of the game calling Kevin Byard a fraud. Um, just just so you're well aware of that. Um, oh well, look. I mean, first of all, Mark's an idiot. Um, <laughs> if only. If but- only. No, look, he he had this was his best game by far. It it takes time to come in and understand the defense and stuff like that. And we hope that there's more of what we saw this week and that, you know, they there's a, they resign him and well, I guess they elect not to cut him. And uh and we continue on. So Yeah. Fingers fingers crossed. We gotta keep that middle Tennessee state defensive uh, backfield together. <laughs> and where where are you on this this game? Uh, with the Dolphins, Jets, it's the Dolphins all day. Okay. The Carolina Panthers in Tennessee to take on the Tennessee Titans. Bavada has the Titans minus three and a half. I mean, to me, the Titans are some of the, like, offensively, I don't know what they're doing for the most part. It feels like they, they just never have the ball. And I guess it's one of those things where, like, let's just get Will Levis experience and we'll worry about actually you know, doing anything productive potentially next year. Um, I just, I, I don't, I, I don't really know. Like watching their games is insanely frustrating because it feels like they just don't use the guys that they're supposed to. And then the Panthers just stink, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're just, they're, they're just un, un, an unmitigated sort of disaster. No first round pick. They lose to the bears. They're, like it's, 
I guess you kind of have to hope if you're a Panthers fan that maybe you can win this game because it is certainly a winnable game against the Titans. But I don't know, man. It, it, it feels like it feels like Frank Reich might be a one and done situation there in Carolina. Can I tell you talking about Levis? I, I was uh, I was looking for Levis' stats this this year and I have the QB the QB stats open on my browser still. And like in my head, I was wondering why the Browns went away from PJ Walker back to DTR last week. And I get it now. He PJ in five games completing 49% of his passes, Greg. That's that's not great. That's no, not great that, at all. That is by far the worst of any of the non-Bailey Zappy players on this list. Oh man, that ricochet shot for Mr. Zappy. Well, and to put it to put it in, uh, in fairness, of the top 50, only two players have lower completion percentages than um than PJ and it is Bailey Zappy, three games, 40%. And let's not kid ourselves, that's really one game. Uh and the other one is Brett Ripien, who played so poorly he was just outright cut. It's <laughs> so bad, so bad. <laughs> hey man, thanks for starting for us. You're gone now. See ya. Yeah, we we finally landed the big fish. Carson Wentz coming to town. <sighs> Unreal. Unreal. Good times. What's your pick here? Uh, I think it's I think it's the Panthers, unfortunately, for Carolina or for Bears fans. I think the Panthers can win this game. All right. The Jacksonville Jaguars are in Houston to take on the Houston Texans. Bavada has the Texans plus one and a half. This is a crazy big game. Like yes, it is. It, it, you're talking about it being able to you win this game if you're the Texans, you pull into a tie for first place in the division, and you've won both games over the Jaguars. So you're essentially sitting in in the driver's seat to, to win the division at, and and own a playoff spot uh, automatically versus a wild card. Like that that's huge uh, if you're Houston. And then Jacksonville, I I don't know what team's gonna show up. It feels like you right. know, they won those five games in a row, and then you had an absolute, like, egg laid against the 49ers, but then you come back and you absolutely crush last week. So, like, well, it was the Titans, and we were just talking about that. <laughs> that's true. But you, you took care of business against a team you should easily handle, and you did. Yes. Th- this is where we're going to really kind of see, I guess, the medal of both of these teams and, and how good they could potentially be, you know, squared off against each other. And I... I think I, I think I have more confidence in in CJ Stroud and his ability to not turn the ball over and and not not do the costly error that we've seen Trevor Lawrence do a lot more this season which is which was a little bit surprising. So I think exactly. I take the Texans here. Trevor 14th in the NFL in passing yards, 2382, uh, 11 touchdowns to 6 interceptions and completing an adequate 68% of his passes. Well, even a good, but still that TD to INT sub 2.1, that's that's not what you want from a generational quarterback prospect. Not even a little bit. Well, this game's going to happen, Greg. This is the lowest line I've ever seen in terms of the over-under <laughs> since we've been doing NFL picks at Bavada. The New England Patriots are in New York to take on the New York Giants. And Bavada has the Giants plus three at home. The over-under, why don't you guess? What, what would you think the over-under for this game would be? Oh, man, if you're saying it's the lowest ever. I know, I really set expectations yeah. in a bad spot. I put you in a bad spot with this guess. But, but I think it's got to be like 35? 33 and a half. I mean, that's just, they, 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 these are the, those are the kind of numbers in the NFL that just dare you to take the over. 
Yeah, just, and it, it ends up being a two nothing game. Yeah, the game end. The game ends nine three, and you're like, I should have known better. I right. should have just known better. I. I it's, so in a game where who cares who's going <laughs> to win? Well, it's Tommy DeVito versus Mac Jones, or maybe Bailey Zappi. Like we, it's. I know Mac Jones is going to get the start, but what, how long of a leash can he possibly have? Um, it. It's going to be so bad. It's going to happen. There is no leash at this point, Greg. They're literally holding on to his collar. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's it's so bad that it's going to have to be good. Like that's how this game goes. And I I actually think that the Giants the Giants may have the better the better defense between the two of these teams, which will be helpful. And I think the Giants win the game. I think I think Devito showed at least he can move the ball a little bit last week which is something Mac Jones has not been anywhere near consistent enough with yeah. this year. So I'd rather take the Giants and the points. Well, and the team just hates Mac Jones, too. It's very obvious. The he, coaching he is, staff he's got Zach, it's Zach Wilson vibes in that locker room. Yeah, and, and the coaching staff was yelling at him in their last game. like Oh, oh so badly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's trouble in New England currently. My favorite Tommy DeVito stat, and it's not one that is positive for Steelers fans, is that he now has more career two or more touchdown games than Kenny Pickett does in his career. That that seems bad. That seems it, bad it, it if you're Steelers. bad, yes. It's in fact very bad. Kenny Pickett does not put the ball in the end zone, despite the fact he uh, has, has some weapons on that team. Poor, poor Pittsburgh Steelers fans. What's your pick here? I think it's the Giants and the points. The New Orleans Saints are in Atlanta to take on the Atlanta Falcons. Bavada has the Falcons minus one at home. This is like a crazy, not pivotal game, but kind of in the AF in the NFC South. Like the 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 Saints should have been cruising to a division victory and kind of kind of were, but like one win and then they're tied and then the Bucks are still a game back. If they like, they could potentially be tied. Like it's they could all be five and six at the end of this week, and we have a three way race heading to the end of this. Desmond Ritter's back starting, which is crazy. The end of the Taylor Heineke experiment. I mean, yeah. You have Derek Carr or Jameis Winston. I mean, talk about dealer's choice. Um, I just, I I feel like this this game should be like some okay offenses going back and forth, but it it could also scream to me that this game might be like 14-7 going Mm -hmm. into like the last drive of the fourth quarter. Like it very well could be the case. Um, I think I like the Saints just a little bit better because I just I trust the combination of Derek Carr and or Jameis Winston better than I trust uh, Desi. Better than I trust Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke. And that's that is a fair statement, Gregory. Yeah, that's a very fair statement. <laughs> the uh, the aforementioned Pittsburgh Steelers are in Cincinnati to take on Jake Browning and those Cincinnati Bengals. Bavada has the Bengals two point home underdogs. I I have to think that Kenny Pickett and the Steelers defense can outduel the Cincinnati Bengals and Jake Browning. Like I, think I we just, just established that Kenny Pickett cannot outduel anyone. What that's that's the thing though, and also they fired Matt Canada. So right, we're back, Steelers fans. He was the he was the root of all the problems offensively. It was all Matt Canada's fault, right? Wasn't that the thing? That we were I'm relying shocked, on. I'm shocked Canada made it this long. It makes zero sense, Chris. It makes little to no sense that he was able to get this far 
uh, with how poor they've been playing offensively for the the better part of two seasons. It doesn't right. it doesn't click for me. So I have to hope that the new offensive coordinator bump they figure something out and they can get the ball into the playmakers' hands like George Pickens, like Deontay Johnson. Fryermuth's supposed to be back. Like I, I think I think it has to be the Steelers in this matchup. Pickett has played ten games this season and he has six touchdown passes. It's not great. It's not great. That, that it, the, it, the fact that the Steelers are above 500 is just a, a, a complete, a complete respect for their defense play because oh, they've kept sure. them in every game and like they're they're the reason they've they've been able to to have a winning record and could potentially be a playoff team, which is crazy to say. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in Indy to take on poor white billionaire Jim Irsay's Indianapolis <laughs> Colts. The Colts minus two at Bavada. I mean, the Colts. The Colts have played well all season, right? Like they've been, they've been, you know, not ex- not huge expectations, but been able to really sort of take over and continue to move forward despite Anthony Richardson going down. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously they're not going to make the playoffs. I think they're very like you know mid like right in five hundred area, and I think they came off what the bye last week. Yeah, so you're coming off a bye. You got Shane Steichen. It's to me. I think that uh, coming off a bye, you have Shane Steichen. This is just like stream of consciousness stuff. I don't know if this is necessarily positive. You're talking about. He's but he's done a good job keeping them afloat and like being 500 in your first season after losing your guy you expected to be your starter and relying on Gardner Minshew, and and is is pretty it's pretty solid if you ask me. And the Bucks just don't seem to win games. Like it's they stay close in everything, but they don't. They, they can't get over that hump despite having, again, some pretty solid play from Baker Mayfield. Like he's been, uh, he's been and I would call it adequate. Yeah, that that that's actually probably a way better way to describe it. That adequate that adequate ability to to play quarterback for him and keep the Bucks in these games. I kind of like the Colts at home, though. I really do. Baker tied with Jalen Hurts for touchdown passes this season, 15 each. Hurts has three more interceptions. I mean, that's adequate. That's yeah, adequate. I think the rushing touchdowns probably play a factor there. And the fact Just that Jalen is the highest rated quarterback in the NFL when trailing. But yeah, uh, no, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm, I have no problem with Baker. So I'm not trying to take a shot at him. The, uh, well, there, there you go. Baker's old team, the Cleveland Browns in Denver to take on the red hot Denver Broncos. Bavada has the Broncos minus a point and a half. I mean, I think that the Browns defense is so good that that it I think they can win this game on the road. I think that the like I know the Broncos had a great drive at the end of that game against the Vikings and and they were able to get the ball in the end zone, take the lead and that was awesome and their defense has is, is been pretty stout. But I just think the Browns defense is is such a game-changing defense that they're yeah. going to really affect Russ and Russ already, you know, he's been better than last year, but he's still nowhere near the, what the prime Russ was on the move and being able to throw and create and make those plays. And I think the Browns are going to force a lot of that. And he's tended to struggle a lot more, um, you know, with that uh, over the course of the past two years. So I, I think, I think it's the Browns. I think it's, I think it's DTR. I think, I think it's, I think that's their game in, uh, in mile high. Russ tied for third in the NFL with 19 touchdown passes, uh, only to only four interceptions. Though, for some reason, and this I guess speaks to some degree about 
the value of QBR. His QBR is 50.5, which is good for 19th in the National Football League, ahead of Derek Carr behind Geno Smith. Yeah. Uh, when the guy who replaced you in your old team has a better QBR than you, it's 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 not great. Yeah, I don't know how much. QBR is kind of a, an antiquated and flawed stat. And I find it I find it funny that you're using any sort of an advanced stat as a, a litmus test to, to gauge <laughs> players. Like I mean, where, 2023 is just a weird year, man. To be fair, QBR, QB rating, I don't know how any of them are calculated. I just assume I just assume that they, they are uh, calculated. They dictate <laughs> yeah. all that. The uh, where are we? The Los Angeles Rams are in Arizona to take on Kyler Murray and those Arizona Cardinals. Bavada has the Cardinals one point home favorites. Dude, the Rams were super scrappy at the end of that game against uh, against the Seahawks, and being able to pull out a win kind of out of the the grasp of nowhere, and along with losing Cooper Cup for pretty much the the whole like the last three quarters of that game. Uh, they 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 showed a little something that they can still at least hang around in these games. And then the Cardinals, like the Kyler the Kyler Murray experience, was great one week, and it was not as great the the next week. But I I think some of that is just kind of growing pains with a, a new you know a, a new system, a new coach, etc. Uh, but I think being at home, <coughs> excuse me, makes makes the biggest difference here. Uh, and I think the Cardinals, I think the Cardinals squeaked this one out, uh, which may be to the chagrin of Cardinals fans hoping for a higher draft pick. Yeah, Kyler was fine, not good. Uh, 214 yards, touchdown, a pick, and seven carries for 51 yards and a touchdown on the ground. The, oh God, I'm, another one I'm terrified on, Gregory. The Buffalo Bills are in Philadelphia to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Bavada has the Eagles minus three. Uh, I just, I feel like... This game is going to be an absolute war, um, yeah. which I, I'm not super big of a fan of it when I want to just keep my players healthy. But I feel like the Bills are in desperation mode and they're going to be going as hard as possible, like the entire time trying to make a, a huge play on every on every possession, which which definitely worries me. Um, the Bill like this, it. it it's got it's like must win time for the Bills at six. Yeah, Bill, and five. Bills the eighth seed in the AFC playoff hunt on the outside looking in at this point. Yeah, like that's that's not good if with the expectations coming into this this season. Like the, the Bills the Bills are throwing everything in the kitchen sink at the Eagles this week. And I I I think if the Eagles can stay composed and not fall into the trap where hey, we just beat the Chiefs, that was a huge game. Now we have the Bills and and we could let let down. Uh, a little bit because the Bills have struggled this year, which is certainly possible. If they yeah. can avoid that, I think this is a very winnable game for the Eagles. Like I think Josh Allen prone to making mistakes, force those mistakes, put Jalen Hurts in good positions, and and you know the Bills defense is pretty depleted. Protect way better than you did against the Chiefs, and and you could have a real, uh, you could really open up a big a big decent lead against this team. So I. I think the Eagles can cover this game. It's just, it's got to be played uh, the right way. Yeah. Allen's 12 interceptions tied for league lead in the NFL. The one thing that I think is interesting though, is he's throwing those interceptions while not being sacked a lot. Only 14 sacks. Uh, you know, basically Pat Mahomes is the only player in football who has started every game and has been sacked less. 
So it's not even pressure forcing the mistakes by Allen. It's it's Allen trying to do too much. Yeah, it's like it's like he's pressing, right? He's he came in as came into the season as one of the MVP favorites. The expectations on the Bills, you know, after the past few years are, are Super Bowl, right? That's that's the right. expectation that we are going to be the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. And when you're trying to live up to some of that hype and some of that, you're you're going to try to do too much, like you said. And I, and I think he's definitely fallen into that trap, which has led to uh, a lot of unforced errors. Essentially. I feel I feel like the Chiefs and the Rams should be in a bidding war to go get Devontae Adams this offseason. Yeah, I, I think so. And I mean, I don't know if the if the digs uh, if the digs experiment in Buffalo has run its course. It's hard to you know believe what you see on social media. Um and what you see reported, like what, what actually is going on is probably a little bit uh, of a blend of what you see in the other reporting. So I, I, I just don't know if potentially there's, there's a move on factor in the, with that pairing as well, or you pair up Diggs and Devonte Adams and give up a, a, you know, a compensation of the Raiders. And then here we are. Yeah, no question. All right, the Kansas City Chiefs are in Vegas to take on the Raiders. Bavada has the Raiders plus eight at home. I think this is a vengeance game for Andy Reid. A good rebound after the loss to the Eagles in that hard-fought game. Um, and I just think that the Raiders the Raiders just continue to struggle, and I don't think Aiden O'Connell is going to be able to handle that Chiefs defense the way Jalen Hurts uh, did, uh, or, you know, especially later in the game. And, and I just don't think the Raiders are as good uh, as the Chiefs you know, by any stretch. So I think it is the chiefs in a, in a big rebound with a, with a cover on a pretty big number. The uh, Sunday night game, the Baltimore Ravens in Los Angeles to take on the Los Angeles chargers. Bavada has the chargers plus three and a half. I mean, the Ravens lose Mark Andrews in that, in that Thursday night game. Lamar, I know was dinged up a little bit. This just, this just screams. Cause you said three and a half, right? Uh, it is three and a half. Yes. Yeah. This screams like a chargers lose this game by a late field goal. Like it just does. It it's every, every fiber of my being tells me that the chargers cover this, but they lose the actual game. And then Brandon Staley just has to be fired. Right? Like it's it, I I don't, I don't understand why we continue to stick around with this when we, we, we see week in and week out that he, he, he is apparently not the guy. He just isn't. Right. It's, it's tough. Um, I, I I just feel like the Ravens squeak this one out and remain atop the AFC uh, after this one. Monday night football, Gregory. Ending this, this week, not with a bang, but with a whimper. The Chicago Bears in Minnesota to take on the singular most overrated player in the NFL this year, Josh Dobbs and the Minnesota Vikings. Bavada has the Vikings minus three at home. I mean, you don't believe in Dobbs' magic, dude? Josh Dobbs. Oh, man. Josh Dobbs. <laughs> Like there is this notion that he's playing unbelievable football since going to to Minnesota, and look, what he has done in terms of picking up the offense and getting the team to be competitive, and they have won games with him at quarterback, is admirable. But the reality of the situation is like, okay, since he's gotten to Minnesota, he's thrown four touchdowns to one interception. That's wonderful, but that's not the whole story here. 
Josh Dobbs is fumbling the ball like crazy, like fumbling the ball at a rate that is borderline unprecedented in the NFL. Two of the three games that he's played for Minnesota, he's fumbled three times. He's fumbled three times in three games this year. Leads the league uh, in terms of quarterback fumbles by a huge margin. Like we can't ignore that. That is risk of a turnover. And yeah, like he's done some good things, but we've really, there is this degree of putting Josh Dobbs on a pedestal that does not make sense to me. Yeah. Uh, I don't disagree with you really with anything that you've said. It, there's a, there's a notion that all of a sudden Josh Dobbs needs to be a starter in the NFL or at worst a, a, you know, a number one backup and people are criticizing other teams for getting rid of him and cutting him and things like that. But let's be, let's be perfectly fair. The Cardinals were like one and eight with him as their starter or one and seven. Um, and what he did that first game with the Vikings, sure. It was unbelievable to be able to lead that comeback on such short notice, that kind of thing. But like it, uh, eventually that fairy tale is Baker gonna, Mayfield, Greg. Yeah, eventually that fairy tale is going to come to an end. This isn't the week because the Bears are are unequivocally bad. But it it's you know it's certainly certainly going to end sometime soon. And honestly, if you're if you're a team in the NFC and the Vikings are making this push to potentially make the playoffs, I would love to see Josh Dobbs in the playoffs. We saw Josh sure. Dobbs in the playoffs last year for the Titans. Yeah. Uh, I, I think seeing Josh Dobbs in the playoffs would be ideal for whomever uh, has one of those higher seeds. So I think um, Josh Dobbs might be the first player in NFL history to fumble three times in a game for two different teams in the same season. That's that's quite frankly incredible, if you ask me. And yet, um, still would have been the better option for the Browns. Yeah, no, most. I mean, they had their opportunity, right? They had him at the beginning of the year. Um, uh, yeah, I and like Fields came back for the Bears. That was fine, all fine and good. Um, I just think I think the Vikings are just the better team here, and I think the Vikings cover. Only three games this season. Josh Dobbs has not fumbled at least once. By the that way, that seems bad, Chris. It is in from a ball security bad. standpoint. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, it is in fact unquestionably bad. So, oh, sorry, your pick. Your pick was who here? I got the Vikings. Vikings minus three. All right, that's going to be it for this week's episode of The Underdog. Nope, of this week's episode. It's been a long week, and we're not doing The Underdog this week. So maybe this counts as The Underdog as well. (laughs) This week's episode of You're Wrong and Here's Why, Chris Horwadell, Greg Crone. Happy holidays, happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy. We'll see you back here next week.